Good morning. Morning. The music stopped, so it must be that time. So praise God. I'm glad to see that we're all together for another Lord's Day and preparing for another great lesson in the Lord. So we're going to go ahead at this time and get started with opening up for our Sunday school. And I think I see the Watkin family on. So I'm going to ask Elder Julian if he's on to start us with a word of prayer. Your kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for giving this another uh, opportunity to be here, Lord God, together uh, to be able to get into your word, Lord, to understand, Lord, this lesson that you have ordained from eternity past, Lord. We ask right now that we would prepare our hearts to receive what you have prepared for our hearts, Lord God, uh, so that we might understand and know, Lord God, what it is that you would want to say, Lord God, to us, Lord. We ask right now that you would bless uh, the presenter, Lord God, bless the hearers, Lord God, each and every one of us, that we might not just be mere hearers of your word, but doers also, Lord. We ask that you bless those, Lord God, who uh, are, are here present, Lord, and those that are represented here, each family, Lord God, each family of the church, Lord, whether present or absent. We ask right now, Lord God, that you would continue to bless, to strengthen, to keep, Lord God, to uh, help us to persevere, Lord God, and and, and uh, continue to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus, Lord. We ask right now that you would bless us now, Lord God, uh, throughout this Today, Lord God, this is another Lord's Day, Lord God. For Lord, we are truly glad that uh, you have prepared this time for us, Lord, and made it possible for us to see the dawning of a new day. Continue, Lord God, in your grace, in your mercy, Lord God, that we might be able to benefit from it each and every day, Lord. These favors and these blessings we ask by Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Elder. So as to uh, continue on and, and, and with our opening devotion part and give way to for the pastor to have time to develop this lesson, we're going to continue uh, right away. So now we are into still the unit one of Israel's early leaders. We have exhausted what was in the book of Judges, and now we move to the book of First Samuel. And so today's lesson Lesson 6 for July 12th is taken from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verses 1 through 12. And the subject of today's lesson is Samuel's leadership brings victory. And the scriptures related to this lesson also can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 1 through 10. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 16 through 24, Psalm 18, verses 7 through 15, and Joshua 4, verses 19 through 24. Time of this lesson, 1047 BC, and the places Mizpah between Mizpah and Shien. A golden text read, and the children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hands of the Philistines. That's 1 Samuel 7, verse 8. 
I'll just go ahead with the introduction since I've not identified or asked anybody up front. Unless there's someone that's burning to read it and would like to, I'll give way for that right now. I'll read it, Sister Radcliffe. Okay, thank you. Leadership is essential for any group, be it a nation, a family, or a church. All groups have leaders, but the kind of leadership exercised in these groups is critical to their success. In recent years, many books <clears throat> have been written on leadership covering various aspects of the subject in various contexts. Consequently, there are many definitions of leadership. Someone suggested that leadership is simply getting people to follow you. While that may be an accurate definition of the term in its broadest sense, it does not distinguish between good and bad leadership. Many leaders have been cruel and dis despotic, despotic, including some of the most infamous dictators in the history of the world. Regrettably, some religious leaders have acted similarly. Whether one considers ancient Israel or a modern nation, it is clear that both good and bad leaders greatly affect the people they rule over. Thank, Thank you, you Brother Jason. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. And our lesson outline, uh, recovery of the ark, that's verses one through one and two. And the second was repentance required, verses three and four. Thirdly is restoration begun, verses five through eight. And lastly, the request answered, verses nine through 12. I just want to say that in my daily readings, I have been reading like Judges, First and Second Samuel, and now I'm into Kings. So I'm really excited to see how the pastor is going to bring out this lesson because it really is interesting and exciting to me. So uh, there are no comments or questions at this time. We're going to end and give way to the pastor to develop this lesson and bring it out as God has given it to him. Pastor? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, I'll never forget what you've done for me. Jesus, I'll never forget how you set me free. Oh, forget how you brought me out. Jesus, I'll never forget. No, how can I forget what you've done? How can I forget how you said me? How can I forget Jesus, I'll never forget Take it home, Junie. I think we kind of established last week when we were trying to sing happy birthday to the pastor that we could not do it over Zoom. That's all right. I thought I thought Junie was going to help me, but anyway, I'll stop. All right. Okay. Here we go. Uh, that that's what the what song is on my heart today because uh, of this lesson, and uh, I'll start it off by asking you all uh, in the Christmas Carol, what was that uh, story about? Dickens wrote a Christmas Carol, and we see it every year. It's on television all throughout the Christmas season. And can somebody tell me, um, just surmise what that uh, movie or story or novel was about? 
It's about Scrooge and his journey through the ghost of Christmas past, present, and future. Future, right. And what was Scrooge's uh, real name? What was his first name? Ebenezer. Ebenezer. And we find Ebenezer in today's lesson. And what does Ebenezer mean? Something about like the day of help or source of help or something like that. Stone of help. Stone of help. Stone, there you go. Stone of Stone help. Of Let's help. Let's tie that to Ebenezer Scrooge, Stone of Help. Dickens had to be uh, reading the Bible at this time. How, how, does the, how does that apply to that character, Stone of Help, Ebenezer Scrooge? Because if, you, uh, if you're familiar with the story, how is he a Stone of Help? Initially, before the transition, he had a heart of stone. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then, after going through and seeing past, present, and what the future led to, that heart changed to from a stony heart to a helpful heart, trying to make amends for what the stoniness had done. That's right. He was a yes, and I, and that's what jumped out to me when I. When I uh, realized this week, his name meant stone of help. He, he was a stony man. He had no feelings at all. I mean, he was callous and, and hardcore at the beginning. But as that transition went on, that stone became a stone of help to, the, to Tiny Tim's family. And, and he had a change of heart. Amen. And uh, we're, gonna, we're going to uh, see how that term applies to, uh, or how it is in today's uh, lesson, how it fits in today's lesson. But I got a question to ask uh, you all before we jump into it even further. How does it make you feel when uh, you know that folks are praying for you? When you know the power of prayer and you know that folks are praying for you, Mm -hmm. To me, it is like a source of release and relief and comfort and courage. It increases mm -hmm. my hope. Wow, wow. Anyone else? How do you how do you feel or how how do you feel when you know that folks are praying for you? Empowered. Empowered. Confident. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think it humbles you. It's, it's a humbling experience to know that someone cares enough to pray for you. Mm. Yeah, it, it lets me know that um, that there's somebody that's worth worthy that can intercede for me mm -hmm. in whatever my circumstances or conditions may, whatever they may, may be. I feel like going on. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. Someone, someone care. Blessed. Blessed. Mm-hmm. I know Karen is saying love, yes. Uh, Amen. And let me let me tweak that question just a little more. How do you feel when you know someone is praying for you and they are right with God? They have a right relationship with God. They are in tune with God, obeying God, and they are coming to God on your behalf. Does that make a difference? Yeah. Big difference. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before the victory. <laughs> right. Expectation. Right. Noah's on his way. 
That's right, right. And I want to circle back around because somebody said it, it humbles you, and I want them to develop that just a little more. What do you mean by it? it it's humbling. Well, it, um, it makes you feel, I mean, whatever it is that you're going through, that someone has decided to partner with you in your circumstance and um it really humbles you it makes you feel um as though you're cared for that you're loved for and um that your circumstance means something to someone else you know mm -hmm. a lot of times we think we're in, in a situation by ourselves but when someone says when when you come to that person and you tell them even if it's an unspoken request and that person says i'll pray for you it makes mm -hmm. you feel um, as though they really care that you're yeah. not in that situation by yourself. And it's, uh, you don't feel uplifted. I mean, you do feel uplifted by the fact that they're praying for you, mm -hmm. but it also humbles you in the fact that there's someone else that's going along with you in this journey. Right, right. Amen, amen. And then... That, that is something that you can see, or at least I, I, I think I see when, when people are sharing with you things that they're going through, whether that's a hardship or a sickness, they haven't asked for prayer, but you hearing their situation, you say to them, I am going to be praying for you. That in itself, they say, oh, I thank you. I need you. Please do. You know, that's also an unblended experience. Mm, amen. Amen. And I tell you, uh, this this week, uh, that's that was one of uh, Samuel's. Uh, that's one of his go-to's. Prayer was one of his go-to's, and uh, and I'm hoping that we can just see the, not only the power of prayer, but the beauty of prayer as well. Because, uh, you know, we have on Tuesday night uh, prayer, and um, oftentimes uh, when I'm at the church, I, you know, you can just hear the prayers going on. You don't know um specifically what's being said but you hear the rumbling uh going on and um and and you just know that prayer is uh, just being given to god at that time and it's a powerful thing and i just want you all to know and uh, not only know but be encouraged by and uh, also uh, encourage those as well who every tuesday night they're going there you know, they're coming together through Zoom or, or through phone conference, and they are praying. And they are sometimes lifting you up. Folks are praying for you. Amen. And that's a powerful thing. So let's, let's talk about Samuel a bit. Who can give me a bit of background about Samuel? We are diving into First Samuel, but before there was the seventh chapter of Samuel, First Samuel, there was one through six so can somebody tell me what was going on or who is who is samuel and it's a beautiful uh uh six chapters that came before this can somebody tell me or give me some highlights samuel um was the son of hannah and i forgot his father's name but yeah. hannah, hannah was barren um and you know she was made fun of and all that um mm -hmm. And so she prayed to God, um, if, if he would um, allow her to have a son, that she would dedicate um, him, you know, to God. And, mm -hmm. um, and God did, 
And so Samuel was raised in the temple with Eli. Um, Unfortunately, Eli was um, not doing well and God cited that point. But um, at some point, you know, in the Bible, it talks about how um, God called Samuel and Samuel didn't know, you know, it was God calling. He was like, what is it, Eli? (laughs) And so that happened like three times. And on the third time, Eli told him, you know, say, you know, here I am. So, um, or basically I'm listening. I can't remember the exact wording. So anyway, Samuel was raised in the temple and then he, um, Eli ended up dying as well as his sons, uh, as was predicted or foretold. And, um, and then Samuel, you know, was a judge and priest of Israel. Amen. Amen. Anyone else want to chime in on there? Thank you, sister. I appreciate that. Well, anyway, Eli, uh, once the Ark of the Covenant had been taken by Israel's arch enemy, the Philistines. Yeah. yeah. I heard about that. He was being overweight as he was. Mm -hmm. Fell back and had a, a massive heart attack. And mm-hmm. died. and uh, uh, so the Philistines rejoiced in the capture of the Ark of the Covenant at that time. And uh, mm-hmm. when and when he found out that his sons had died, all three of them had died in battle, and that the Ark was taken, that's when he had to, had uh, fell over backwards in his chair and died. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, nonetheless, you know, uh, but that was the, the beginning of uh, how Sam Samuel being a young young uh a lad at that particular time had started to grow up uh in the temple mm-hmm. amen amen thank you thank you anyone else wants to chime in yeah that's that's good background good background and those uh first six chapters of the of first samuel uh as i stated it was just uh just uh a joy reading them because uh, from chapter one, you were introduced, uh, as stated, you were introduced to Samuel's parents. And we know that Hannah was barren and uh, Peninnah was um, uh, Elkanah's second second wife. And, uh, and um, she kind of like was chiding uh, Hannah that Hannah could not uh, have children and of course, vexed Hannah to a point where she was just very down and out and she prayed to the Lord and that was just, uh, she was a praying woman and she prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, if you give me a child, give me a son, I will give him back to you. And if you look at uh, Samuel, the uh, first Samuel, the uh, first chapter, and I believe it was um, probably verse 11 or so, you'll see that uh, Samuel was a, a, a Nazarite. So that, that lets you know he was dedicated to the Lord from, from, from the womb. Uh, his, his mother stated that I'll give him right back to you. And after he was weaned, after he was weaned, that's exactly what occurred. Hannah, Hannah uh, took him to the temple and Eli was his mentor, the, the uh, high priest or priest Eli. He was uh, his mentor, but Eli had some sons that weren't right, Hophni and Phinehas, right? They weren't right. They were doing some real crooked stuff in the temple. And because because Eli didn't get with them, uh, Eli tried to warn them verbally, but Eli didn't discipline them. 
He didn't get he didn't get with him like they was like he was supposed to. And because of that, God's judgment uh, came upon Eli's family. But yet, uh, as that was going on, uh, Samuel continued to grow. That's what those uh, chapters stated. He continued to grow in the Lord. One of the things that's a hallmark about Samuel is not only was he a, a prayer warrior, but he was also obedient. He followed the Lord. And um, when he was young, the Lord called out to him and he didn't quite understand uh, that the Lord was uh, speaking to him at that time. So he thought it was Eli. And so he kept going to Eli and Eli figured it out before he did. And Eli said, the next time you hear you know, your name called, just say, speak, Lord. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, the fourth time that he heard his name called out, Samuel said, speak, Lord. And that's when the Lord spoke to him and gave him a message. Unfortunately, that message wasn't a good message for Eli because he told Samuel that he was going to judge Eli because, once again, Eli did not discipline his, uh, his two sons that were priests. Story goes on to where um, uh, the Israelites were fighting the the uh, Philistines and and the Philistines kept whooping them. They kept beating them up, and they couldn't understand why um, the Philistines kept beating them. So what they said is, uh, you know, somebody in the crowd said, "I got a great idea. Let's get the Ark of the Lord and take that into battle, and we will show enough." whoop them then and they got to rejoicing when the ark of the lord came and then all of a sudden the philistines were even shaking in their boots as well because the philistines said surely they are going to whoop us now just like they whooped the egyptians because we know that they got um tore up egypt so they're going to tear us up now but let us fight like never before and let us really fight because if we can we fight uh if we don't fight they'll be we'll be their slaves and they'll no longer be ours so that's what happened they fought and fought and that was israel's worst defeat because thirty thousand men had died uh during that confrontation and the ark of the lord was taken let me back back to say that uh you cannot treat uh sacred things like they're just trinkets right that doesn't get you out of uh, situations and that doesn't deliver you. They could not, they treated the Lord's, uh, the Lord's uh, ark as if it was a, a, a trinket. And um, they was like, just let's get this trinket and, uh, and then it'll deliver us. A lot of people go around with trinkets on their necks nowadays, right? They got cross on their necks, right? And like trinkets. And they, they kiss that cross when they're in trouble or when they want to hit a home run, you'll see them go up there and kiss that cross and cross their heart and everything else. But the Lord is not a trinket. Amen. So the, the, the uh, Philistines end up uh, capturing that ark and they started rejoicing. But all of a sudden you see in the fourth chapter, in the third verse, the Philistines all of a sudden saw uh, they were rejoicing. But then when you read later on, the Philistines said, what have we done? Because what ends up happening is that they took that ark and they thought it was a trophy. And they took that ark and put it in the temple where Dagon was. And each morning that they woke up, Dagon was in a worship position to, to the ark. He was laying on his face. And then one point, Dagon's arms, legs, and everything was gone, right? 
And then all of a sudden right. the Lord ends up, um, then the Lord ends up uh, not only uh, doing that to their God, but he ends up sending a plague upon them where they had boils and, and a rat problem and, and everything else. And so finally they realize that this ark is not a, is not a trophy. So not only is uh, the things of the Lord a trinket, but it's not a trophy either. You can't sit, can't, can't put it up there as if it's some type of trophy that you should uh, uh, boast in or, or as if, uh, as if it's an indication that, uh, that, uh, that all of a sudden that you are a winner or something like that. No, he doesn't want to be magnified, glorified, or served in that way. He wants you to serve him with your life, your whole heart in obedience. So it's not a trinket and it's not a trophy. And the, and the Philistines saw that it wasn't a trophy because as I stated, it just brought them nothing but trouble. City after city that they brought that ark to, the boils and the rats were becoming, becoming an issue to a point where they sent that thing back. And they sent that thing back on a cart and they sent it back uh, with two cows pulling it. And when they sent it back, all of a sudden the, the people of uh, Israel saw it and they rejoiced, but, uh, but they, treated it, they treated it wrong too because they started looking into it and treating it like it was some type of uh, attraction to the, at an amusement park. They wanted to right. see, what the, see what it was about. They started looking in it. And when they started treating it like an attraction, God judged them and they, they were dropping, they were dropping like flies too. And then all of a sudden, the ark comes, we go down to the seventh chapter now where the ark goes back to Kareth uh, or, or Kerjath Jerem, right? And it comes back and then it's finally treated right. I know that was a lot of background, but it gives you the, the setting as to what is going on and what will take place after this. So when we read the first and the second verse of this uh, lesson, uh, we can so expound. Pastor, if, we, mm -hmm. if we go back though, with, with before that, when you were talking about them sending the ark back, mm -hmm. they didn't just send the ark back empty. They tried to send an appeasement, right? They, right. they made like golden uh, rats. From the from the tumors and the rats, right? Yeah. And they put that in the in in the cart to send it back. That's right. To appease, because when they inquired as to how to send it back, this is what one of their um, elders were telling their leaders were telling them that That's they right. needed to do. So each it was one for each of the cities where the ark had gone. And, yeah. and, and these people had broken out in these tumors and having these rats issues. So they That's didn't right. just send it back. They tried to send it back with, with an appeasement, I guess, or some kind of sacrificial offering. That's right. That's right. They sent it back. Add just a little bit more to that. Just a smidgen. Mm -hmm. uh, they, it seemed like the Lord used their priests and, and their diviners to come up with this gold of the mice and the tumors. And mm -hmm. he used them to, because they, they inquired, what shall we do? Mm -hmm. Because it was right. like the coronavirus going on there in these different cities, killing up people left and right. And so right. They, they come in front of their, their diviners right. and all of that, you know, and their priests, uh, well, 
as to what to do. And That's right. uh, they came up with this, that, this idea about this gold and, uh, for the mice and, and uh, the uh, tumors that they had in every city that, they, that our art went into. Mm-hmm. Right. Right, yeah. And, and as I stated, if you kind of summarize those, uh, those um, chapters, uh, we see that the Lord, the Lord wants you to be dedicated to him. You know, the Lord wants you uh, to uh, obey him, you know, to, to, to have, you know, faith in him. He doesn't, uh, we also learn from those chapters that, you know, that, well, what we can apply today, that the Lord, the things of the Lord and the Lord himself, he's no, he's no trinket, he, he is no trophy, right? He is no uh, uh, amusement attraction. He is uh, the Lord Almighty, right? And I believe Hannah and his and Hannah and her husband referred to him as the uh, commander of the armies of heaven. That's how they 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 had him high and lifted up. He wasn't on a he wasn't on a mantle, and he wasn't around uh, your neck. He was to be high and lifted up in your hearts and minds. So today we see in this first and second verse, it says, and when the men of Carthagin came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and and sanctified uh, Eliezer, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in uh, Kerjah-Jerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years, and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. Let me read on. And Samuel spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, If ye do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Asherah from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Comments on those three verses. What was going on here? What type of situation were these folks in, these these Israelites? They were still bewildered and scratching their heads right because things weren't things weren't going their way and they were trying to figure it out and as they uh started trying to figure it out it seems as if their law their 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 thoughts were going back to god they were still following this cycle right still following this cycle where they would rebel and then all of a sudden repent but now all of a sudden they were uh, towards this uh, repentant heart. And the Lord, uh, as I stated, used their circumstances and their situation because they were towed up by these Philistines. The Philistines were defeating them time and time again. 30,000 had died uh, during that confrontation in which the ark was uh, uh, And they were really at their, their wits end here. And Samuel spoke to them. Um, so after they basically secured the ark, put the ark um, and treated it right, started started uh, to treat it right and stopped looking in, at it as if it was something in an amusement park. 
they put it in the right place at Kerja Jerim and and then all of a sudden they they sanctified someone to look after it, right? Eliezer and Eliezer, I'm sorry, and they they sanctified him, designated him to look look after it and treat it like it was supposed to be treated. After they got that situated, then they said we need to be uh, we need to be in a right place as well. And Samuel spoke to them in that third verse and said to them all to the house of Israel saying if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts then put away the strange God and asterisk from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines so what did he mean by uh, the asterisk and strange gods what did the expositor say that uh, these terms referred to and what they were all about. Anyone? These were the gods of, of the nations among them. Was it Balaam was a, was a male version and Asteroid was a female version or were these like the fertility gods? Or, right. And right. of course they were doing any and everything to sacrifice and please these gods. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Yes, and uh, and Astroth was a, a general name, and Baal or Balaam was a, a, a general name as well for these guys. As you said, Baal was the male uh, god, and he was considered their a storm god, if you will. And then and then Astroth, uh, she was the goddess of fertility, and of course they worshipped her. When you think of fertility, they worship her through prostitution and um, other sexual acts. And that's how they worshiped those gods. And as I stated, throughout the region, folks had different names for them, but what it boiled down to is Baal and Astrid, right? And Eli gave them, uh, not Eli, but Samuel gave them a, 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 a fix. He gave them a solution. What was, what was Samuel's solution? Well, Samuel said in his he said that uh, if they were to uh, rid themselves mm -hmm. of these false, false, false gods, mm -hmm. you know, you can't ask for help from God when you got something going on in your life like sin. Mm. So Sam, Sam, uh, Samuel said, "Get rid of these strange gods that exist among you." Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then uh, we, I guess it was like Second Corinthians seven fourteen, where in Chronicles where it said, "My people, Amen." would turn and repent and humble themselves, but this is where he was coming from. They mm -hmm. needed to get rid of these false deities that they worship. Baal, right. you know, he's a, a, a god of morality for all the Molech and Chemus and all these other gods where they sacrificed their children in the fire and all that other kind of stuff. And Amen. He represented, but that asterisk, that asterisk uh, a female fertility god was the mm -hmm. sexual god that uh, uh, that they had there too. And now all of that was very, very detestable in the sight of the Lord. And, and Samuel yeah. said, get rid of that mess out, yeah. out of the camp of Israel. Yeah, yeah. And, and it, so this and, was just, just a cycle, a continuation of the thing that had been going on in the book of Judges. You know, yes. when that judge died, they went back to what they knew. And then when he got 
the, the heat got too hot for them, they were crying into the Lord. And this is what was going on even now uh, at this point. Amen. Amen. Exactly. And I, and I should have read verse four with it, too, because we're, we're actually hitting on verse four as well. And talking about Balaam and uh, Astra, and and yeah, the comments are, are exactly right. They needed to get right with God, and as the outline says, it was uh, uh, repentance was required. They needed to get back in line with God, and that's what uh, Samuel was telling them. That here's the solution: uh, put all those things that had distracted you and took you away from the true God, uh, put those away, and and not only put them away, you know, that's not the only action that you need to, to do. It's just getting rid of them and putting them away, putting them away. But you need to do something after that too, right? What you need to do after that is you need to obey, right? You need to obey, you need to follow uh, and lead a life that is honorable to him. And, and as I stated, you wanted him to be high and lifted up in your life, amen? And he goes on to say here that in the fifth verse, I'll read the fifth verse. And Samuel said, gather all, he uh, gather all Israel to uh, Mespah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And then, or, and they gathered together to Mespah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. Comments on those two verses? Um, just on the first five, I'm going to probably comment later, but uh, mm -hmm. Samuel said, and, and Samuel said, gather all the Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. uh, when he said that, that was like in verses, verses like, uh, Muhammad Ali versus uh, Joe Frazier yeah. uh, in regards to Mount Sinai, where every last one of the Israelites showed up at the mountain and the rope was tied around because they didn't want to hear Moses no more. Mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. want to hear that di directly from God. It was, yeah. it was tied in indirectly through Moses. So they would say, we want to hear from God. So here, uh, uh, all of the nation of Israel did not gather. It was just like with... Uh, 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 Moses' uh, father-in-law, Jethro, was it Jethro? Uh, mm -hmm. Told Moses, hey, get some of the noble men and because you're going to wear yourself out trying to judge everybody by yourself. So mm -hmm. these leaders of every nation of all the tribes gathered together at Mizpah, representing the whole nation, right there in verse 5. Amen. Amen. And they said, and, and what Mizpah? Mizpah was what? Interpreted uh, as a watchtower. Watchtower, right? Look or look. Mm -hmm. Right. Or, or what? Or lookout. Lookout, right? Or lookout, right? And then they, they gathered together at, at, at watchtower or lookout and drew water <laughs> right. and poured it out uh, before mm -hmm. the Lord, fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mespah. So, so that that gathering together and drawing water and pouring it out and fasting on that day, those were symbolic things of their repentance. But what did they point to? How were they symbolic in in the terms of how it uh, showed their heart? 
Well, with the, with the water, water was, it wasn't like you could go buy some bottled water or go turn on the faucet. Water was, you know, wasn't that, it was, it was scarcity. And this was a sign of self-denial. We're, we're going to deny ourselves this. It is, mm-hmm. this show a sign of true repentance, right? That's, that's right. what the point of the water was all about. That's right. Well, and, and another thing on, on top of that, unless somebody else want to comment. Uh, and we know we find it uh, in regards to the water too. It says in the lesson that uh, it was like a okay water being poured out into the sand or into the dirt, mm-hmm. where you can't retrieve it, where you can't retrieve the water. Mm-hmm. So it's it's almost like this is what was a sign of repentance, completely turning away from the sin. We know it's a hundred and eighty degree turn in regards to repentance, not turning back. It's not like sorrow in Second Corinthians the second, seventh chapter, but. Mm-hmm. It was saying too about the baptism of uh, John the Baptist, especially mm-hmm. in that Matthew the third chapter where he says that uh, how the Lord will judge you. He said, "I'm uh, Jesus is coming. He's the one who I ain't worthy to unlash his shoes. He will baptize you with water." Uh, I, he said, "I baptize you with water, but one is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire." Mm-hmm. So we found it was three baptisms there. You know, mm-hmm. water mm-hmm. baptism was a baptism of John's of repentance but Jesus is going to baptize us as believers the church with the Holy Spirit and unbelievers down the road in the 20th chapter of uh, Revelations with fire Amen. So, uh, then Peter uh, Acts 232 238 Elder Wimps are always talking about like, like pistols 238s <laughs> you know, where, you know <laughs> repent and be baptized and all of that you know and uh, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit but uh, uh, nonetheless, uh, Peter said it's not like washing your washing your body of of, of dirt or anything, but it's, it's it's a heart condition that we that uh, God is looking for. Mm-hmm. That, that's exactly what it was. It was an indication of their heart condition because they they had they they truly had uh, hearts that they were turning to God at this point. Um, they were pouring out their hearts and, and water had various symbols in the, in the Old Testament and throughout the Bible. And one of its main uh, uh, symbols was that of, of purification. And uh, as was stated, they, were, they, they poured out their hearts and they, they saw a situation that they could not fix. And they were going to God, uh, on, they was going to God for help. They were seeking God's uh, guidance and help on this, and they were abstaining not only from from water, which which sustained their life, but they also were sustaining from food as well, right? They were fasting as well, so they were saying that Lord, you are more important than these things that sustain us down here. You are more important than these things. We are coming to you right now for help, right? And, and and just to like I said, just to walk down our street for a minute, and and just to see how this thing ties uh, to us today. You know, uh, there was this was a national crisis that was going on, and this was a, a a time in which they had no answers. The Philistines were were on them, uh, killing them, to, uh, 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 just defeating them left and right. And they had no answers for it. It was a national issue that was going on, right? And, and, and my mind goes back to 9-11 as well. When 9-11 came about, 
there was a, a, a certain response from, from America as a nation. But then all of a sudden during this pandemic, there's a, there's a response that's going on too. So what's the difference, if you will say, if we look at, at Israel right now, and they had, a, they had a national crisis going on. Then all of a sudden you look at today and America has a national crisis going on. What, what, what's the difference? What's the glaring difference that you see that's taking place today? I think a big difference is in leadership because yeah. I'm quite sure that Samuel, this was not the first time he told them that they needed to repent. Like, you know, I'm sure that, you know, he had told him time and time again, you know, well, you know, if you print, repent, things will be better. But it had, he had to wait for the nation to come to um, understand that they needed God. Like you can tell people all day to do mm -hmm. stuff, but until they, you know, I guess almost like hit rock bottom where they have, they go to God themselves. And so anyway, Samuel was able to lead the nation to repentance. Mm -hmm. And um, in our case, one, we don't have a leader to do that. <laughs> and mm. two, I don't know that the nation is ready to, as a whole, repent. That's good. That's good. Amen. Also, um, I remember my mother always say, a hard head will make a soft behind. <laughs> <laughs> and um, crisis, Lord, allow us to go through them in order to bring us closer to him. And crisis will make us pray and do the right things or to find our gifts or to search more for him. And I think that's in both situations now and back then. Uh, it, it's, it's a teachable moment. And what we, what we have to realize that crisis don't last forever. Right. And the hope is that just only a season and mm -hmm. that the Lord revealed that he had Samuel there at, at this moment, you know, for the purpose of reminding us what mm -hmm. we should have been done earlier, but due to crisis, so like we come to our senses. All right. All right. Amen. Amen. And the thing about it is that sometimes when we are in our crisis, whatever that is, mm -hmm. God is it's the last resort. We have done everything uh, that we thought we could do. And then finally, you know, <laughs> God is coming to God is the last resort. That All right. Let go, let God. Mm -hmm. All right. Good, good comments. Good comments. And that is exactly what we see where these folks in our lesson today, they, they had, uh, uh, they had fixed their hearts and, and they said that, hey, we have a situation that we can't deal with we have a, a a national crisis that's going on and their leader had pointed them to the solution and that solution was god right it, that was solution was god and they turned their hearts to him however we're in the we're in a, a situation of a national pandemic and, and it's like a a a a nightmare that is going on and in some cases in some states, they're, they're, they're doing way worse than others. And, and yet there's no call to God, right, that's going on in terms of a national, uh, uh, a national call to God or, or calling out or, or directing them 
to God. Uh, and it's, and it's, it's even different to me, whereas 9-11, you, you, you heard, uh, you know, I'm proud to be an American, God bless America. I, I mean, I tell you, during that crisis, I, I, I didn't hear, you, you couldn't hear uh, uh, enough of uh, the national anthem. I tell you, it was played, you know, God bless America, God bless America. And now all of a sudden, you know, today in today's pandemic, there's no calling out to God at all. In fact, it's almost like uh, relying on science now to get Amen. us right. And mm-hmm. I was telling my family, it's almost like Dr. Fauci is the high priest right now. You know, <laughs> that's good. They're trying to uh, settle this thing with science, and science is the answer. But the truth is, is that even now, back in Israel, back in 9/11, and even today. God is still the solution, right? We need to turn our hearts and our minds to God, right? Also, Pastor, we remember that was the last time when the conservative and liberals, Democrats, all of them got together and mm-hmm. and kumbaya and hugging each other and singing God Bless America. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And as I say, you know, is this, and, and, and that brings up this question, what's the difference between leadership and spiritual leadership? Depends on who's the leader. Say it again. What, what's the difference between leadership and spiritual leadership? Who you're following. Spiritual leadership means that you're following Christ. Leadership on its own means that you're following what you think is important. Mm. Mm. That's good. That's good. Anyone else want to chime in? The difference between leadership and spiritual leadership. Samuel is showing us that difference, isn't he? He's showing us that difference. Uh, You know, it's interesting because in churches today, uh, you know, you got kind of like that celebrity type of atmosphere, right? And, and folks in leadership, some folks in leadership, they are having folks look and keep their concentration on, on them, right? They become the celebrities and the stars that you want to hear from and request uh, them to preach and speak and things uh, like that. However, Samuel shows us that true spiritual leadership you're not the you're not the uh, the star. You're not, you're not the focal point. Samuel said, "Don't look at me, but look at who? Look at God, right? He pointed the people to God, right? He, he that's what he did. He in spiritual leadership, that's what it does. It 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 says that I'm not I'm not the end all to be all, but I know who is, right?" I know who is. I know who is Alpha and Omega. And let me show you, let me show you uh, the way to go, so to speak, right? And moving on, it says here, and when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mespah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said to Samuel, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. What what was going on here? 
what was the situation here? You had you had the Philistines scared, and you had the and you had Israel scared. <laughs> what was what was going on? Well, first of all, in the seventh verse, we see that the Philistines they they saw that uh, uh, things were moving, and the, and the Israelites were getting together. They interpreted as a, a as a uh, preparing to war to go to war. So they heard about the ark being there, obviously because they had given the ark back. So all of a sudden, they thought that Israel had mustered up some courage again. And they said, hey, let's do a preemptive strike here. Let's get them before they get us. That's what was uh, their game plan. They said, let's go and get them before they get us. And they wanted to try to make a move, right? And when the scout of Israel came back and told the people what the Philistines were doing, all of a sudden, that made them panic. And, uh, and the people of Israel began to panic and they said in that eighth verse to, to Samuel, they said to him, cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And what this once again shows is that the people realized that Samuel wasn't the solution, right? They said, cease not to cry out unto the Lord our God right they were saying our god right now they didn't say your god samuel they said our god they realized that god was the solution for this situation so they wanted samuel to cry out to god for them and we know that samuel was uh not only was samuel uh, a priest but what he he was also what he had a few titles matter of fact he, he had three what was it Priest, priest, prophet, and judge. And judge, right? And some say he had four. Some say he was a kingmaker too, right? <laughs> he was, he was okay. anointing the kings as well, right? So he's a priest, prophet, and a judge, and a kingmaker, right? And they had him coming in because uh, if you read historically, uh, Samuel was, uh, uh, not only was he a priest and prophet and, and judge, but he was also a contemporary of who? Moses. Not Moses, not Moses, but who? Another right. Bible. A contemporary, he lived during the same time as... Oh. Uh, as oh, Samuel. I couldn't. I'm sorry, contemporary. Uh, Samson, right? He, can, he figured out what Samson was. He saw what Samson was uh, doing as well, right? But he his life was in obedience to God. Yes, God used Samson, but uh, Samson was a knucklehead. And I believe that uh, Samuel saw this and said, I'm not going to go the knucklehead route. I'm going to go ahead and obey him as he stated. So God... He, he realized, excuse me, Pastor, he realized that his strength wasn't his hair, but it was the Lord. Right. That's right. That's right. And that's, and they said, and, and he said to them in the ninth verse, and Samuel took a, a, a sucking lamb 
and offered it for a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. What is this saying? What's this saying? Samuel here is offering, uh, he's, he's exercising his priestly role mm -hmm. uh, for Israel in regards to uh, uh, sacrificing uh, the uh, lamb mm -hmm. in regards to uh, um, what uh, was going on in regards to Israel's being afraid of the Philistines who had bullied them previously to this, that, not that long ago. And mm -hmm. so now they come on the scene, like you said, they was trying to get the, the jump start on Israel before they really can get, get themselves together. So mm -hmm. in calling on Samuel, so Samuel said, okay, and Samuel is as if he wasn't really worried about what the Philistines were doing, but uh, mm -hmm. how the Israelites was uh, turning to God through him, uh, in, 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 you know, indirectly. But uh, mm -hmm. Samson heard it, and Samson saw what they was doing, and uh, mm -hmm. uh, and he said uh, that uh, he would save them out of the hands of the field, and God would do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, but uh, here we find, but this was just uh, the part of the protocol of what he had to do in order for God to come in mm -hmm. and deal with them, because he said the Lord heard them, or the Lord answered their answered the prayer. Mm -hmm. So he was he's, atoning he's, for their sins, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's right. That sacrifice, that sacrifice, it was a part of uh, repentance and turning to God, right? He was they he was offering right. that sacrifice. And the way he offered that sacrifice, uh, it was something about that too. He wholly offered that that whole sacrifice, right, to the Lord. Not mm -hmm. part of it, but he burnt, he burnt the whole thing, right? Meaning that a hundred percent of it was offered to God, and that's how we should move too. We should offer God a hundred percent of us, right? And and the encouraging thing to tie this ninth verse back to what we uh, commented on earlier, you know, to have someone that is uh, that is obedient to God pray for you. To have someone that uh, is that prays to God regularly, pray for you. To have someone that uh, is uh, not only uh, studying for themselves to show themselves approved into God's word, pray for you, but also tries to teach others the ways of God, and they are praying for you. To have someone like that pray for you. That that's a that's a powerful thing because in uh, verse nine it tells you that the Lord heard him, right? The Lord heard him, and to have someone pray like that for for uh, for the nation uh, is it, it's it's a good chance that the Lord is going to hear somebody like that, right? And as I stated earlier, to have a a, a room full of folks pray for you that are obedient to God that no prayer works that 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 knows his word and they want to obey him and they're praying for you and you better look for victory right you better look out for victory amen and then it goes on to say in verse 10 and as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel but the Lord 
thundered with a great thunder on that day unto the Philistines and discomfited them. And they were smitten before Israel. What happened? What did it say? What happened? The expositor gave one version as to what occurred. They ba the, basically, the expositor and, and, and uh, other books, if you read them as well, has stated that they didn't quite know what had occurred and what this thunder meant. Some people had different interpretations, but nevertheless, Samuel, it took Samuel some time to offer up this burnt offering. So while he was preparing it and while it was still going on, the Philistines were actually approaching. They were coming near to battle against Israel. So time was of the essence, right? And, and as that burnt offering was taking place, the Philistines were in pursuit, not pursuit, but drawing near. And they were coming with bad intentions, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder. Now, if you read, some folks said that it was just this uh, indescribable noise this ominous noise that occurred where it made the Philistines like panic stricken and, and confused and, and, and they just didn't know what to do. And this reminds you of who? Because God also uh, brought a victory that way in a state of confusion for who? Gideon. For Gideon, right, for Gideon. Right, Gideon had see see the Lord just shows you, and this is the connection. The Lord can use a, a group of people of three hundred. The Lord can use a single person like Samuel, like Samson, right? But then the right. Lord can also use a situation like uh, and, and where He can use prayer, right? He can use prayer to get the job done as well. And this was a, a situation where. Some folks said that it was actually a great thunderstorm that occurred, and it made them uh, so confused and, 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 and just struck them with such panic that uh, they didn't know what to do. The Philistines didn't know quite what to do, and they thought that this thing had to be a god because, once again, Baal was the god of what? Baal was the god of... Um... Storm god. Right. He was a storm God, right? He was a storm God. And it's amazing how God uses uh, their God's strength so sort of against, against them, just like he did with Egypt. All of those plagues had represented a God that the Egyptians had uh, worshipped. And here God is using a situation like a storm because they call themselves... Uh, worshiping the storm god and he uses a storm to to uh confuse and panic them and defeat them right and they were smitten before israel you know it's the same thing with moses uh when he went to remember we said earlier when uh he gathered all the israelites to mount sinai because mm -hmm. they, they didn't want to hear uh god indirectly through moses and they mm -hmm. want to hear god for himself so That's when right. God spoke, the mountain shook, thunder right. and lightning, and uh, the people told Moses to pray to God again and tell him not to speak to us any longer unless we, they were trembling in their boots, unless right. we should die. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. He's and not that, Odin, the god of thunder, or Thor, the god of thunder, or nothing like that. The mythological. <laughs> but right. now this is the true and living God who is like this. That's Amen. Right. That's right. And it says, it goes on to say, and the men of Israel went out of Mespah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came uh, under Bethkar. Then Samuel took a stone and set it uh, between Mespah and Shem and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, uh, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Any comments on those two? Sounds like the Israelites got some courage, right? When they saw what was going on, sounds like they got some fight in them. And once they saw what the Lord had uh, done and they and the Philistines were so uh, confused and panic stricken that they went out and they said, let's go finish the job, right? Let's go finish the, get the job where, that God started. So they started going after the Philistines and started uh, mowing them down and chasing them. They pursued them all the way to, to their gates, right? To Bethkar. And they, they pursued them all the way there. And they pretty much had the Philistines on the run, right? And this was a great victory. And Samuel didn't want them to forget this victory. So he said, so he got a stone and he set it uh, between uh, Mespah and Shein and called the name of it Ebenezer. Ebenezer. And we said that Ebenezer meant what? Stone of help. Stone of help. They, and he wanted them to to look at this uh this monument because of what why did he want them to to look at this monument or have this monument placed as a remembrance of what god had done and how god had right. blessed them right jesus i'll never forget what you've done, you for, done me. for me I'll never forget how you set me free. How you set me free. Jesus, Amen. I'll never forget how you brought me out. Me out. Jesus, Jesus I'll, I'll never forget. forget. No, never. Oh, never. Amen. And that's what this is about. So often we get into situations where we forget the victories that God has already won, right? We forget the, the power that he's already shown. We forget the deliverance that he's already accomplished for us to a point in which our days, our present day seems dark and as if we have no hope. But if we just simply look back to see his track record, we can see that if he did it before, he can do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Yeah. Sometimes you need to put those monuments up in your life, right? Sometimes you need those monuments in your life because when times do get down and when they do get gloomy and you get into that gloomy state, you can still look up right to that hill from which cometh your help, right? right. Help mm -hmm. come from the Lord. So we don't want to forget what he's done, but we don't want to get stuck in the past either, right? We right. want to use that in a fruitful way where we can see we can look back and we can stay encouraged to live for today and know that our future is secure. Amen. That's what Amen. this is about. It's a, it's a progressive walk 
faith. God has God never fails us. He never fails. He never fails. And we gotta remember that no matter what the moment, no matter what the moment tries to bring out of us, if it tries to bring out fear, gloom, depression, or whatever, uh, you know, I, I'll say this: that David, David uh, saw that he was down, and he said he he saw that he was just feeling real down and depressed, and and everything, and he wrote in the Psalms. He says, "Why cast down, O my soul?" Put your hope in God, right? He, he prayed himself happy, amen? And that's what we have to do sometimes. We have to stop looking within and look up <laughs> to him. And he is our Ebenezer each and every time, amen? Amen. Give it back amen. to correctly, amen. Amen, great lesson. Thank you, Pastor. You know, I was, the more and more I read about it, things, in the Old Testament, I just say I thank God for grace because the law yeah. and the things happening then was no joke. <laughs> I thank God for grace. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. we are going to, uh, before we ask for the prayer of dismissal, we just want to, um, again, thank you for another great lesson. And just um, ask if uh, we're into the month of July, do we have any known birthdays yet? I know we've had a few, one or two. And we have some coming up in the, in, the, in the weeks to come, but do we have anybody that we want to sing birthday to? Happy birthday today. Do we know of a birthday we want to acknowledge? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, <laughs> who's, who's got a birthday? Supreme. I wonder who. I know. <laughs> I know. Well, speak up. You got you. You got another blessing. Who's who's blessed with another year? Supreme. Supreme. Praise God. Well, happy birthday, Sister Supreme. Do we want to try and sing? Okay. We will ask. We will ask Sister Tammy if she will do a happy birthday for all of us. How about there you that, go. Sister? Amen. All right. Happy birthday, Shapri. Happy birthday, happy birthday to Wanna Bell. Happy birthday. We love you. Love you. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Amen. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Okay. And one other thing, uh, Sister Marnie has um uh, an announcement, brief announcement that she'd like to make to, to appeal to us. And then after Sister Marnie's announcement, I am going to ask Elder Lester if he'll dismiss us in prayer. Sister Marnie. All right. So I wanted to just do one final plea um, for the, the survey that was sent out. Um, I actually put in the chat. So if you haven't had a chance to get to it via text message, um, then you know you can get a copy right from the chat. Um, and this survey is really quick, but it'll really help us in planning for Bible study. So please, I think we only have about 12 people um, who have done it so far. And like there's 26 people plus on here. <laughs> so please, please, please complete the survey ASAP. Amen. Uh, can I just make another quick uh, uh, announcement? Uh, just uh, praising God because today, 
Josephine King is going home. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Okay, it's, that's all the announcements. Any more announcements? That's it. Okay. Uh, Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you. Oh, you've been so good to us. We thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Everybody that participated this morning, we thank you, Lord, how you allowed our pastor, Lord, and gave him the knowledge and understanding to feed us this morning. Lord, truly, we have received our daily bread this morning. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you for all the input. We thank you, Lord, for how you made it possible through Zoom and all those engineers and those with the knowledge to keep this coming forth. Father, we ask right now for your continued blessing for anyone that's sick or going through. And Lord, we like to thank you for what you have done for the King's family, Lord. How you've been with uh, Sister Josephine for a long time and how you have continued to bless her, kept her, the family and all. And we have kept her lifted up in prayer. And Lord, we are so grateful for that. Lord, we, this message was a powerful message that you allow us to tap into. It's about some of the bad time, which didn't last, but led us on our knees and led us, just like you did the Israelite, to bring them to the forefront of knowing that you are our help. And Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your continual blessing and blessing this church, blessing our pastor, the first lady, and all. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. Praise God. Amen. Take care. Amen. Amen.